Welcome everybody to the Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi podcast. I am your co-host Hannah. And I am your main host, the Artificial Dragon. And it feels so good to be back in the host chair again. The host chair is pretty comfy, I would It add. is pretty comfy. Um, and I'm going to be using it again for our uh, iEagle arc later tonight. I'm excited. So yeah, so for all of uh, new viewers that are just getting into the podcast and everything... I am a DM for a Star Wars 5e campaign, and tonight we are returning back into my three-year-long campaign. Um, specifically, we will be going to Iego, not to be confused with Lego, the planet of a thousand moons, and it's going to be a fun one. We're recording it, right? Yeah, we're recording it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you guys get to hear the whole kinds of shenanigans we get up to on the planet of a thousand moons. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be a uh, doozy, I can already tell. Knowing our group's luck, we're probably going to make shit yep. hit the fan. Yeah, so that aside, um, so for any of you that are interested in supporting our podcast and our D&D series, um, we have a Patreon, which you can find on patreon.com slash Once again, that's patreon.com slash uh, our month's art piece is a sexy Cad Bane, the blue skin motherfucker himself. Yeah, um, look at those abs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, if you guys are interested or just want to have a wide variety of Patreon art pieces, you could contribute to our highest, which is $10 a month. Or if you're not into the fan service stuff, you could just contribute to any other tier. You'll have instant access to our Discord server. Um, you could give us suggestions, talk about general Star Wars lore, or just post memes here and there. Or just go into a flame war like uh, Urk has been doing with Hannah recently. Yeah. I'm watching you, Urk. <laughs> but please, support us. We always appreciate the support, and we love talking to you guys. Yeah, and it's a small community, but even still, it's a community which I appreciate. I appreciate all of you guys to this very, very day. So thank you so much for the support. Now, Hannah... I am pretty sure you know what uh, today's episode's subject is going to be about. Oh, yes. The ones that you always simp the most about in Swator. Yep. All <laughs> we, right, ladies and germs, we are going to be talking about the Dark Council. The Dark Council. Um, uh, I'm not going to say that the Dark Council isn't cool. They have a lot of cool Bullshit, members. Bullshit, they're awesome. Yeah, it's just, I'm not a huge fan of a name. Like, ooh, Dark Council, what are they all about? Ooh, obviously they're evil. What about the Jedi Council? Well, the Jedi Council, the Jedi Order, you know, that's acceptable. Maybe if it was called the Sith Council, that would be much more acceptable in my eyes. But, you know, semantics, just... I don't know, Dark Council just isn't the greatest of names. It sounds like something a five-year-old would come up with. Here's a challenge for the, the listeners and everybody else who wants to get involved. Come up with a new name for the Dark Council. <laughs> come up with a new name. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll, we'll put it as a poll in our Discord or something. That would be awesome. <laughs> but yeah, aside from the name, the Dark Council is pretty cool. Like, I was doing my research for the past week, and, you know, it's just... A long history, I wouldn't say it's a long, long history, just in the context of the lore. They've been around for like over a thousand years or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they've been around for a hell of a long time. Yeah, they've been around for a pretty good while. Um, there's not too much details, but generally, I'm going to be talking about, you know, the, the intricacies of a Dark Council, the different uh, spheres of influences, and its members, most importantly. The members are going to be the most important part. Yeah, um... 
Of course, I will be probably skimming over some uh, Dark Council members because there are members that are just mentioned, but nothing else really important is just, oh, there's Darv so-and-so. What does he do? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> He's just a Dark Council member. Okay. So, yeah, um, I will just be going through most of the uh, more noteworthy Dark Council members, but we'll save that for the near the end of the video. But... Let us, I'll go ahead and shut up and talk about uh, what the Dark Council is. So, the Dark Council is the legislative governing body of the new Sith Empire in the form of a 12-member council that serves as the ruling body of the Empire, second only to the Emperor himself. So, yeah, it's not the, the, the Sith Empire isn't only governed by the Emperor. It's not totalitarian. Yeah. They're governed by a legislature. Yeah, it's sort of democratic, quote-unquote. Very, very minuscule democratic. <laughs> Just very surface-level democratic, but they're Sith. But they still, you know, make decisions for the good of the, the Empire. Yeah, but most, they are Sith, so, you know. Wait, wait until we get to Asina's new Dark Council, then, <laughs> then it'll be, be a little bit better. Yeah. Each member of a Dark Council held the position of Dark Lord of a Sith and controlled one of the twelve spheres of influence. Each seat of a Dark Council is highly contested with many aspiring Dark Lords of a Sith, um, either lasting for a minimum of mere months or for several decades in most cases. Yep. Like... <laughs> <Just that. laughs> Dark Scotia! Yeah, as with most things in, uh, in related to the Sith... They are always going to want to backstab you for, you know, your own power and personal glory and everything like that. As is the way of the Sith. As is the way of the Sith. It's a fucking murder orgy when it comes to the Sith. Yep. Hot and, topic murder orgy. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing with the Dark Council. Like, even if you are a member of a Dark Council, sure, you're super powerful and you got these numerous assets at your fingertips, but you still gotta watch your shoulder and for assassins. And it does not make you immortal. Yeah, it does not make you immortal. Like I mentioned before, members could last for mere months if they're lucky, or several decades if they're really, really lucky. Yep. Yeah, it's a no, a no bueno situation, even in the but uh, highest Sith, position. But it's Sith politics as a whole. It's like, you have to watch out for your back and build a good power base, or else you're going to get killed. Yeah, very true. You can't back yourself up? Fuck you. Next in line. <laughs> and traditionally, the line of secession is passed down to that Dark Council member's apprentice. So usually. Usually. Not always. Not always, but that's usually the traditional um, way of going things. Like, for example, Darv Jadis's daughter and apprentice Darv Zarad was... Darth Zorid. Zorid, thank you. Um, took her father's place as the uh, counselor of the sphere of Imperial Intelligence, I believe. But she didn't last very long. Nope. <laughs> you, you encounter her once in the Sith, in the Imperial Agent story, she's never fucking mentioned again. Yep. Because yep. apparently Sith intelligence dissolved and she got replaced by Lana. Yep, this is very true. Means she didn't do good at her job. Yeah. And ultimately, there are alt alternate ways of gaining a seat in the Dark Council, such as word of the Emperor. Like, hey, you, I want you to be a member of the Dark Council. Okay. That's how that's how Barris tried to get a seat on the Dark Council by as making voice himself the, the uh, yeah the voice of the Emperor. And when everything. in reality he really wasn't. Yeah. Um. Lying fat fuck. <laughs> the lying fat fuck who really has deep lungs for some reason. Yes, he does. Ah. <laughs> oh! 
I fucking love that scene. Insert so much. sound clip of bear screaming. <laughs> I cannot break him. And while they are each member of a dark council is powerful, ultimately they are answerable to other individual members of a dark council and the emperor himself. But they are basically the elites of the Sith. Yeah, they're they like are very the, uh, high standing. Very high standing, and the uh, the uh, why? Okay, whatever. Moving Braveheart. For <laughs> Braveheart, yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes every once in a while, there would be like ancient ritualistic duels between members, which is called the Kagoth. The Kagoth. The Kagoth. Okay. The the G's are silent. That's why. Um. Ah. The Kaf, which is described as part duel and part Dejaric, which is the Star Wars version of chess and everything. Um, there are two combatants who would fight to the death, and the loser would be erased from history. Yes, that is what you have to deal with in Act 3 of the Sith Inquisitor story. Yeah. Darth Nox is challenged to a Kagath by Darth Thanaton. Yep, and you and obviously Darth Nox beats their ass effortlessly. Yep. Um, running away like a little bitch. I'd call it Thanaton Karelian. runs away like a little bitch <laughs> on Karelia. Um, Falvers is one noteworthy duel that uh, is apparently in like a uh, codex in Switor, which I thought was really funny. Um, during this one particular duel, which was which happened in like the ancient past of the Empire and everything, um, there was a fight between Dark Council members Darth Kalar and Viticun. And they chose their battleground to be the Imperial Citadel, which is that gigantic structure where you go for the Imperial Intelligence, the Dark Council Chamber on uh, Dromenkos and everything. Yeah, that's basically the Sith base. The Sith base and... That's their power base Yeah, on, on Dromenkos. I wouldn't quite say their capital because the Dark Citadel is the capital. Yeah, whatever. It um, is the quote-unquote capital of the Sith Empire. Yeah. Um. Let's see... Uh, and their battle was so intense because you gotta imagine, these two powerful Sith Lords are unleashing the full power on the dark side against each other and just fighting to the death. Mm -hmm. Their duel was so intense, the Imperial Citadel was just demolished completely. Makes sense. And at the end, neither of them won and they declared it a draw. Oh wow, so it can end in a draw, I did not know that. But the, the other members of a dark council were like, you fucking assholes, why the fuck would you do that? Okay, we're going to execute you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they decided to use the assets of both of those assholes to rebuild the Imperial Citadel and everything. I mean, fair enough. You fucking destroyed <laughs> your assets can remake it. Yeah. So yeah, apparently they can end in a draw, but I think that's just hilarious. That, that is hilarious. That the Dark Council just executed both of them anyway. It's like, okay, fuck you. <laughs> this, is a, this is stupid. I'm done. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's kind of a funny, uh, noteworthy part of our history. That so let's funny. go back to the beginning. During the long exodus with, uh, you know, uh, Darvishiad and his followers to Drum and Kaz, um, the Emperor brought with him 12 of his wisest and most powerful of his loyal acolytes, of whom made up the first members of a Dark Council when, you know, they made a Drummondkos city and everything. Uh -huh. And they gradually took over day-to-day -day operations of a Sith Empire as the Emperor decided to go into his basement to practice Dark Side ritual and all this shit. 
Um, one of these early Dark Counselors was an individual by the name of Darv Zavikon, and he decided that his domain would be the study and recovery of ancient knowledge. So he was the, uh, I believe he's the first member of the sphere of ancient knowledge, I believe. Nice. Yeah. Um, and he had very noble intentions, which is surprising for a Sith, but you know. Um, I mean, a good amount of Sith do have noble intentions. Yeah, they do. Um, Even so, if you're evil. Yeah, so his idea was to, you know, recover ancient Sith knowledge, rituals, that sort of thing, from the Dark Temple and everything, and every other ancient Sith rune within the early Sith Empire and everything. Though he began to realize that he would send off many of his underlings to go to the Dark Temple and all of these ancient sites. They would come back, and they would never uh, share their findings with anybody. Pretty useless if you ask me. <laughs> and he just sat there saying to himself, Alright, you are all fucking Sith Lords. What did I expect? You're not going to share anything. And well, he, no shit! Yeah, and he decided, okay, fuck this. I'm going to reorganize a new group that doesn't comprise of fucking Sith Lords and everything. <laughs> so he gathered together um, loyal Imperial officers from the growing Imperial uh, military and everything. Um, and he also gathered together um, expert civilian archaeologists and put them together into this expedition. And he told them to go to the Dark Temple to gain whatever knowledge they could find. Mm -hmm. They returned and... Unlike his underlings, they shared everything that they found with him. Did he create the Imperial Reclamation Service? Yes, I'm about to get to that. He is the creator. I was going to say, that creator. sounds like the bare bones of it. Yeah, so he was the founder. And, like, they got all these findings. He shared the findings with the rest of the members of the Dark Council who were really impressed. And they authorized the creation of that organization. Nice. So, yeah, it's just really nice that uh, the Sith... Um, as arrogant and as self-righteous as the Sith can be, they, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, at least they admit that the Sith can't solve everything because of their greedy nature and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as any good Sith would tell you, knowledge is power. Knowledge is very well power. It is very, very good. Um, let's see, uh, I already talked about that. Um... Oh, I went really far in my notes. Holy shit. <laughs> um, even though the Dark Council had a very promising start, it would have its fair share of downfalls and some of its members having power-hungry ideas, if you will. No shit. Throughout its entire history, the Dark Council attempted to overthrow the Emperor a total of two times, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So the first time... Uh, was through an individual named Darth Locus. Um, she, she's just kind of a minor character that's mentioned, like, oh, the first rebellion of a Dark Council was led by this person. Mm -hmm. um, so Darth Locus, uh, whether through personal ambition or generally thinking Darth was a bad leader or whatever, she gathered together the other 11 members of a Dark Council and she proposed to them an idea to overthrow the Emperor and make the Sith Empire into their own vision and whatever. And surprisingly, all 11 of them joined her cause. That is surprising. It is very surprising. Like, 
There was no loyalist there. No, there was not. And I I do not know what they were hoping to accomplish through this, but all, ele- all 12 members of the Dark Council marched up to uh, Vitiate's Palace, which is the Dark Citadel, I believe. Mm-hmm. The Dark Citadel. And it was it was literally said it like this. Enough. They were just walking up the steps of a dark citadel. And before they even got to the freaking door, in a flash of light, 11 of the dark council members were just dead on the ground. What the fuck? It was just, oh shit, everybody's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then the fucking Darth Vitiate took uh, Darth uh, Lekas, took, took her to his... Uh, in the deepest bowels of his uh, citadel and tortured the living fuck out of her until she died. No fucking shit. God damn. <laughs> that's a good way to just crush a rebellion. Yeah. Um. It didn't specifically said if he made that knowledge public. I assume he just took uh, Darth Locus to his uh, dungeons just to torture her for the lows. Probably. Yeah. Vishit does what Vishit wants. Yeah, and, and like I said before, I do not know what they were hoping to accomplish just by marching up to the temple. Uh, bad planning. Very bad planning. Locus, you were able to gain the loyalty of all 11 members of a Dark Council, and you blew it! You, you son of a bitch! Uh, and the second attempted rebellion came... Roughly uh, several thousand years later, during roughly the uh, the Knights of the Old Republic storyline. Okay. Um, so the second rebellion was planned by due to uh, council members, Darv Nyrus and Darv Zedrix. All of these names are really hard to pronounce. I'll send you a picture of Darv Nyrus because she is in pretty insane looking. The one picture that I could find of her. She's apparently a master of force lightning. Which is why you see her in a... Yeah, I'm sending you the picture now. Um, which is why you see her covered in force lightning and shit. Hmm. Okay. Master of force lightning. Yep. So was fucking Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, point is... Um, Second Rebellion, Darv Nyrus and Zedrix um, joined with two other council members to create a conspiracy with the purposes of deposing the Emperor and preventing his assault on the Republic, which they consider to be suicide, basically. Look how that worked out. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, during this period of time, a majority of the Dark Council weren't exactly thrilled with invading the Republic. Well, because, sure. Because they wanted to keep their own side of the galaxy. They don't want to fuck with a Jedi again. Exactly. It's like, fuck that. <laughs> Why fuck with them? Yeah, they're, they're following the... Uh, the uh, the approach Ludo Kresh did with Naga Sadao during the Great Hyperspace War. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, though at around this point, obviously the Emperor was growing suspicious of a Dark Council, so he assigned uh, a growing, uh, a growing individual that uh, gained his personal attention, and that individual was Lord Scourge. Oh, so this is around the time Scourge was like. At least a young man. Yeah, he was... I think he be, he gained the title of Lord by then. Um, I briefly read up on his history. He is a master interrogator, basically. 
Yeah. No wonder he became the first Emperor's Wrath. Yeah. I think he's like the the uh, Civ version of a detective at this point, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Scur- um, Scourge is awesome. He's an <laughs> awesome character, and I w- I he deserves his own episode. Yes. Yes, he does. So, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Um, basically, um, Vitiate secretly summoned the Scourge to Dromenkos and had him go under the tutelage of Darvneris, um, you know, to investigate her and everything. And... Nerys kind of had a suspicion that Scourge was investigating her as his double agent or whatever. And she basically, classic Civ style, put him through numerous tests to test his loyalty and everything. No manipulating shit. him. and Basically to see if he would be a worthy ally to their conspiracy and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he passed his tests and did what... What he was told and everything. And Darth Neris decided to cement his allegiance to the conspiracy. And brought him to Darvishiot's old homeworld of Nathema. Mm-hmm. And basically told him, this is what will happen if we let a, le- a madman like uh, Vishiot rule the Sith Empire and everything. He will just consume every planet in the galaxy. We cannot allow such a madman to... Lead our empire. He will lead it to damnation. And that's when the Lord Scourge uh, pledged his allegiance to the conspiracy. Because he didn't know that uh, Vishia was capable of something like this. Later on, he does. Ironically. uh, When the Jedi Knight meets him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah. um, So, point is. Darth Scourge joins the conspiracy to overthrow the Emperor. Problem was, even though Neris and most of the other council members had good reason to overthrow the Emperor, they did not want to work with each other. They were squabbling like a bunch of children and making power moves and betraying each other and everything. And for the next four years, this conspiracy would, you know, do absolutely nothing. They would make absolutely no progress. And Darth Scourge was disgusted. And he's like... You fucking assholes. You you went through all this effort to gain my loyalty and you do nothing with it? I would be mad too. Yeah, and as the four years went by, this was around the time where uh, Darth Revan decided to come back to Dromenkos to deal with the Emperor himself. Mm-hmm. And he and Darth Scourge found a new ally within Revan. And he decided, okay, I'll join your side. Um, and I'll get you closer to the Emperor, but first, a distraction. And he decided to basically tattletale to uh, Vitiate about the conspiracy and everything. <laughs> He's like, Lord, Papa Vitiate, Papa Vitiate, these guys, these guys, they want to overthrow you. Oh, is that so? All right, I'll deal with them myself. Let me guess, he vaporized them. So, um, okay, so... Number one, Vishiot basically summoned the rest of the uh, Dark Counselors, but he sent his Imperial Guardsmen to deal with the four conspirators because they were less likely to actually go to the Emperor because suspicions and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, The Let's see if I could find it. Uh, So the rest of the uh, Dark Council members, they were completely oblivious to this. They were innocent in all of this. And it's not exactly known what happened back there, but Vitiate also kind of found out that the rest of the Dark Counselors weren't pro-war and they weren't lining with his ideals for taking over the galaxy. So he decided to just 
just restart the entire council. He just like fucking clean slate. Clean slate just murdered the fuck out of them and then replaced them with yes men and everything. Of course, of course. He's got people around to suck his dick. (laughs) Yeah. Replace them all with sicko fans. Oh, Christ on a bike. But yeah, um, and then we kind of know the rest. Uh, Darth Scourge and Revan and his allies attempt to, you know, kill Vitiate. Darth Scourge gets a vision, betrays uh, Revan, and pledges loyalty to uh, the Emperor and everything. That is until the timeline of Swator. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, so anyway, that is a, a little brief moment of their history. Now we go into the quote-unquote present of the Dark Council and everything. Um, so after the... Why the fuck? Okay. After the Treaty of Coruscant and the official end of a Great Galactic War, the Emperor would once again go into seclusion, put power back into the hands of a Dark Council. Um, during the entire war, there were a couple of Dark Council members that participated in the war and obviously got killed. I believe only 7 out of 12 survived the entirety of a war. Oof. Yeah, one of them was uh, Darth Mar and the recognizable duo and everything. The Chad of the Dark Council! <laughs> the Chad of the Sith. Yes, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, and as you mentioned before, there were numerous power grabs, like with Darth Barris, uh, Darth Thanaton, that sort of thing. Darth Thanaton. There was even squabbles between... There were even like typical Sith squabbles in the Darth... Or in the <laughs> Sith Inquisitor story. Yep. You get your first taste of Sith squabbles on Korriban, but then after you become Zash's apprentice, mm-hmm. she has you kill Darth, Darth Scotia. Yep. Just because he looks down on her. Yep. So it's like, okay, fuck you then. <laughs> yeah, fucking Darth Scotia. I remember uh, when I first started playing the Sith Inquisitor storyline, Darth Scotia. I'm. It's probably because I haven't leveled up too much yet, but he would kick my ass multiple times. And I just decided <laughs> to, uh, fuck, who's the name of a first companion character again? Uh, Kemball. Kemball. I just use Kemball as a meat shield and go after him while I heal him from a distance. <laughs> I know it's a little bit cheating, but that's the only way I could get by him. Yeah, no, and it depends on what, like, uh, class you play. Yeah. Also, I find it absolutely hilarious where you go on this entire quest to find some token so that a tran- his Trandoshan bodyguards wouldn't kill you, but he just kills them effortlessly regardless. Yep. <laughs> and they were young Trandoshans too. Yeah, very true. Trandoshans are pretty cool though. Yeah. But <laughs> you, just, you go through all of this effort just to get this, this uh, token and he's like, fuck you anyway, die! <laughs> I think you also had to grab an EMP or something to make him weaker. Yep, because he the man is basically a cyborg. A yes. cyborg. He is ninety percent machine, ten percent man. Yeah, he's getting more machine EMP, than man. <laughs> getting the EMP fucks him up a little bit. Even then, I still had problems with that fucker. Well, I killed him effortlessly. Of course you did. <laughs> well, I chose the assassin subclass. Yeah. yeah. So I was a tank, not a healer. Yeah. Um, I was probably playing it really, really badly back then, but <laughs> just a memory I always like going back upon. But anyway, um... It's always fun hearing about, you know, how people, how others experience mm-hmm. the game. Yeah, very true. Um, so, and then the turning point. The hero of Typhon goes and kills Vitiate, 
and Vitiate Spirit goes into the Void, goes to Yavin 4 or whatever. And this was the opportunity for the Dark Council to fully take charge. You know, Dark Mar being the Giga Chad that he is, keeping the old... He's like, okay, stop fighting. I'm your father. Stop fighting amongst yourselves. He's the peacemaker. (laughs) He is, ironically enough, because I think he's like a war hero or something. He is. Apparently his body was so damaged that he was encased in his... uh, his iconic armor, His yes. iconic armor, and when he showed his face to an admiral, he committed suicide. Yep, yep. We'll go uh, a little bit into that story once I talk about Dark Mar. But yeah, um, point is, uh, the Dark Council takes charge, mostly with Darth Mar being a de facto leader of the Empire. He didn't... I don't recall if he ever called himself the Emperor. He deserves the title. Yeah. He is... He is the Emperor in all but name. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the Eternal Empire comes in, completely dumpsters Darth Maul and his fleet and everything. And Fucking Ricotta. And then, oh, the Eternal Fleet, not oh. the uh, Infinite Empire. But. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I got those mixed up. <laughs> Eternal and Infinite, yeah, yeah, so original. Empire, original Empire, Empire. <laughs> anyway, completely gets dumpstered by the Emperor in the end. Um, and then Empress Asina, is that how you say her name, Asina? Empress Asina takes Darth Mars' place. Yeah, and, you know, they were forced to submit to the, uh, Eternal Empire and everything, while the main characters in cryostasis and everything. Yep. Into, in an attempt to broker peace, the, uh, Empire and Republic bowed to Arkin, because Arkin would have fucked everybody up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Arkin was insane at that point. (laughs) Yeah. No. He had a hate boner. <laughs> Who doesn't have a hate boner in Star Wars? I know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, point is, this entire thing, the Outlander comes out of uh, cryosleep, gathers together allies to create his uh, Eternal Alliance, I believe it's called. Yep, the I know, Eternal everything in this point. The Alliance. Um, yeah. And then uh, the Empress approaches the Outlander, provides her support to the Alliance, and helps them regain the Eternal Throne, all of that shit. And then after everything is said and done, they immediately resumed war with the Republic and everything. Of course they do. And that is, as far as I know, the current timeline of uh, the Dark Council and everything. Yep, right after you get to Iocath, you have to choose a side. Mm-hmm. Which ultimately is probably not too canon-breaking, because the, the Sith Empire gets destroyed. In it is line. very dependent on choice. Yeah. Very it is true. very dependent on players' choices. Yeah. So, went through its history. Let's talk about a little bit about its uh, inner working, specifically its spheres of influence. So, the Dark Council, as I mentioned before, is comprised of 12 spheres of influence, which, under the rule of Empress Akina, Asina, uh, uh, it would be reorganized into five. Yeah, she, just to simplify it more. She narrowed it down. And yeah. that, it made it a lot more effective. Yeah, and it was basically an attempt to deter people from infighting with each other and everything. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I like Asina. Yeah, she she's pretty cool. She's a badass who don't take no shit from anybody. Yeah, um, she does, I will admit, she looks fairly pretty looking, but right next to Dar Flackers, ooh, that's not even a contest. <laughs> 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 I I am a, I am willing to admit that I am a Darth Lacris Thank you very much, Hannah. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
So the original spheres of influence include the sphere of ancient knowledge, who are basically charged with the protection, expansion of Sith knowledge, which include the overseeing of the Imperial Reclamation Service and the beneficial use of Sith and alien artifacts. When the Sith Inquisitor becomes Darth Nox and takes their council seat, that is the sphere of influence that they are given control over. Yep. Yet and you do nothing with it. Kind of a missed opportunity, but you know, whatever. <laughs> and then uh, the second is biotic science. They are charged with the command of all aspects of the Empire dealing with the organic body, which means anything from uh, the medical core, cybernetic augmentation, disease control, Sith alchemy, and genetic manipulation. Mm-hmm. And then the third is uh, the defense of the Empire. Basically, it's, I ba- it's basically the homeland security. Yeah. Homeland Security. Yeah. Um, they're charged with the direction of the Imperial military in order to preserve the Empire and its people from external and internal threats. Like I said, home security. Um, and then the uh, fifth... Is it fifth? Yeah. Um, the expansion and diplomacy. Charged with overseeing the expansion of the Empire's borders and directing the Imperial diplomacy services and securing new alliances. I think Vauron works under that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sphere. he does. Um, no, I think he's logistics. Oh, oh, oh. Misremembering. <laughs> That's why I have my notes with me. Um, and then next is, you know, where the fuck? Uh, Imperial Intelligence, which, who are charged with overseeing the Ministry of Intelligence with the Ministry of Intelligence themselves reporting directly to the Guard Dark Council members. So they, they control the CIA, basically. Yep. <laughs> Um, then there's laws and justice, obviously. Police force. Yeah, um, police force and everything. Judicial. Um, yeah. Military offense, charged with directing the Imperial military and the Ministry of War in all offensive military campaigns. So I s- suppose like the Supreme Commander or something, or, mm-hmm. or uh, uh, whatever. Um, and then military strategy, charged with controlling battle plans, strategies, and other military procedures, in addition to the Imperial Conquest Consolidation Corps. Nice. Um, then there's mysteries. It's literally called the Sphere of Mysteries. Um, charged with overseeing the most secretive aspects of the Empire. This is not uh, part of the Wikipedia. It's literally part of lore. Almost nothing is known about this sphere of influence because, you well, know, they're no secretive. Well, no fucking shit. <laughs> but assumingly, they, like, protect the most secretive of secrets within the Empire and everything. Yep. Um, and then uh, there's... Did I? Yeah. Um, the production and logistics, which is charged with overseeing the Ministry of Logistics, mostly overseeing the Empire's trade routes, economy, military supply lines, transportation systems, nationalized industries, slave populations, and other assets and programs essential to the continued function of the Empire. I'm surprised that Asina managed to get it down from 12 to 5. Yep. Very, very lucky. Because a, a lot of these spheres structure the government of the Empire. Very true, yeah. Which, which is a pretty smart idea to kind of cuts, make them into an um, yeah, consolidated into an umbrella term, so to speak. And then let's see. Next is Sith philosophies. They are charged with the protection of a Sith code, pretty self-explanatory, um, and ensuring that the acolytes and apprentices of a Sith order remain loyal to the tenets of a Sith, and also spread uh, anti-Jedi propaganda. Well, no shit. These feel like the guys who run the academy. Yep, pretty much. Um. And we got the sphere of, 
Oh yeah, this is the last one. And lastly, the Sphere of Technology, which is one that uh, Asina is a part of. Oh, nice. Yeah, so they're charged with a creation of powerful new cybernetics, super weapons, military technology, and other revolutionary machines. Nice. So these guys are like the inventors, so to speak, the engineers. Um, though in the Empire, under either Asina or Valron, they were simplified into Civ Doctrine, which comprises of uh, formerly ancient knowledge, mysteries, and Civ philosophy, Military Command, Defense of the Empire, Military Offense and Military Strategy, Scientific Advancement, Technology and Biotic biotic Science, uh, Civilian Administration, Production and Logistics, and Laws and Justice, and the Galactic Influence, Civ Intelligence, and Expansion and Diplomacy. Nice! It was a very easy way to narrow it down. Very easy to narrow. <laughs> because looking at each influence, it's... I, yeah, there's a good reason why a lot of these Dark Council members quarrel a lot. I can see why it was easier originally to have 12, mm-hmm. because there were so many Sith. Yeah. But with the scene of narrowing it down, it helped consolidate more, you know, help, help bring it more into a, a box. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. And, you know, it was only giving one Sith Lord that power. Yeah. Instead of multiple know, Sith multiple. at that. Yeah, I can imagine some strife like uh, with logistics or whatever and military strategy. It's like, hey, could you make sure those uh, military supply lines are down? If that's, and if that Sith really fucking hates that uh, Imperial, um, um, okay, Imperial military guy, they'd be like, fuck you, you're not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see why this would cause a lot of uh, quarreling and strife amongst the Sith and the Dark Council. That's just government in general. Yeah, that is fair. A lot of bureaucratic bullshit nonsense. Yes, a lot of bureaucratic bullshit. Yeah, which is good on Asina for uh, simplifying it, so to speak. Yeah, she, t- she took the Empire by the balls <laughs> and restructured everything and said, I am doing this to save the Empire. Taking it by the balls. That's she a, did! <laughs> that's one way of putting it, sure. Um, so, let me... I s- mean, mo- by the time she became <sighs> Empress, most of the original Dark Council was either missing or dead. Yeah, I think only her and Valron were remaining. Her and Valron were the only survivors. Yep. Yeah, you gotta work with what you have. <laughs> Yeah, work mm-hmm. with what you got and restructure it from the ground up. Yeah. And that's what she did. All right, so I've explained its history and its inner workings, that sort of thing. Now let us talk about some of the more famous members of a Dark Council. Hell yeah. And the first off is Darfanaton, who was the um, the um, previous counselor of a sphere of, uh, of uh, Ancient knowledge. Ancient knowledge. Ancient knowledge, before Dark Knox took their place and everything. Um... He actually took the position from Darv Arcticus. Artis? Uh, yeah, a lot of these Sith names are hard to pronounce. It's A-R-C-T-I-S. Darth Arctis. Arctis. And I believe Arctis was active during the uh, Inquisitor storyline because they get mentioned a couple of times. But then he just mysteriously died and Phantom took his place. Phantom took his place. Yeah. And... You know, he spouts off all this bullshit about tradition. He was very, very, very adherent to the old Sith tradition. Oh, yeah, very true. Um, He believed in, you know, the Kagath showing honor and everything like that. 
honor there running away like a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was all like, oh shit, I'm uh, actually about to lose. Fuck this shit, I'm out. <laughs> Fair enough, though. There is one point where he says to Darth Knox, I consider you a worthy foe. Yeah. <laughs> he just... Continuing with a long line of, uh, of uh, Jojo family technique. Running away! <laughs> and then next is uh, Darth Archeon, who is the counselor of the sphere of biotic silence. Uh, silence. Science! God damn it. Um, <laughs> this is what he looks like. He, kind of like uh, Darth Scotia, he is heavily covered in cybernetics and everything. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of, I think that's the uh, the uh, theme with members of a biotic science is that, you know, they self-mutilate and self-modify themselves all the fucking time. Yep. And as you could obviously see with him in that picture, um, he was uniquely despised by all within the Imperial military for his zero policy, on, uh, zero tolerance on failure. Yeah. Sounds like Thrawn. Yeah, pretty much. Um... Before he, w- before he was killed on Corellia, when he was tasked with overseeing the takeover of a planet. Was that Consular story? or? No? I, think I think he's... Oh, God damn it. Might be Consular. I think he might be a... Uh, what are those fucking side missions where you uh, go off and do important missions or whatever? I think it was, it was the Corellia story. Flashpoint. That's what those are called. Flashpoint. Oh, okay. He's probably a Flashpoint. I didn't look too much in my research, but... Because I remember, I remember facing him. I just can't remember what story. It might have been Consular. Yeah. But point is, huge cybernetic monster didn't was not particularly popular amongst the Empire because of his... He, he just executes He's an anybody. <laughs> He's, He's an, an asshole. asshole. Yeah. And then next is Darth Ravage. You probably may recognize him. Um... And Darth Ravage, I'm just going to do the uh, classic photo there. So, Darth Ravage. Where? Okay. God damn it. Do you recognize him at all? I I think he plays a big part in the Imperial Agent storyline, which I haven't really touched on yet. No worries. But I know after you kill, or after you defeat um, Darth Thanaton... He comments on the fact, oh, that was pathetic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he sounds he like cri- that. He criticized Thanaton. Yeah, he sounds like a, he sounds like he's Darth Ravage, yeah. Um, so Darth Ravage is the counselor of the Sphere of Expansion and Diplomacy, and he was one of the few members of a Dark Council that tolerated Darth Barris's claim of being the Emperor's voice, and he's also surprisingly very loyal to the Emperor himself. Of course. Yeah. Um, so kind of traditionalist, um, kind of an asshole. <laughs> Not like Thanaton was. Not like Thanaton, no. Um, let me see. Um, oh yeah, it literally says it in, that, in my notes. He's literally a detester of Darth Thanaton. Yep. He, he thought that he was scum. Yeah. He did not like him. Though it was especially noted that Darth Ravage was much more emotional than every other member of the Dark Council, who always conveyed a sense of calm and everything. I mean, look at Darth Mar for that yep. example. And then next, my personal favorite Dark Council member, aside from Darth Mar, um, motherfucking uh, Darth Jadis. He just looks so fucking cool in that armor. Even if you can't see his face. <laughs> just like Darth Mar, he never takes off his mask or anything. Yep. 
Dark Jadis is pretty cool from what little I've experienced of it. Okay, do you mind if I tell spoilers? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So, Darth Jadis... I'll probably forget anyway. <laughs> that's fine. Um, so, Darth Jadis, he is incredibly powerful. Like, it's said that he's second only to the Emperor himself in terms of power of the dark side. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty goddamn impressive, considering he's surrounded by Darth Malgus, Darth Mars, Darth Phaneton, and the whole shebang and everything. Yeah. Um, he's surrounded by a lot of powerful Sith Lords. Yes, he is. In a, uh, in a world of powerful Sith Lord, he is the powerful Sith Lord. Um, he, also like Mar and Malgus, he was disgusted with the current state of the Empire, and especially the Dark Council, whom he saw as squabbling children. Makes sense. Yeah, and who are more concerned with personal power than the well-being of the Empire. And he secretly began a coup against the Dark Council by unifying the Empire and bringing the way of a Sith directly to its citizens. Nice. So, like, yeah, in the Imperial storyline, Darth Jadis was present from the very beginning, and the entire mission of a Sith, uh, not Sith, of uh, the Sith, uh, the Imperial agent is to... Av- "Quote unquote," avenged Darth Jadis when he when his ship was blown up by I terrorists. Got, I got to the point where it's like, oh, he died, but I spoiled it for myself. Oh no, he's not dead. Yeah, he's not dead. Um, and he was just orchestrating this uh, terrorist organization to weaken the Empire and test the Imperial agent to see if he would be um, a good ally for his new Empire that he foresaw. Darth Zorid is his own yep. daughter and was his apprentice. Yep, and. I don't think he even valued his own daughter that much either. Nope. He forced her to sing an opera for hours. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that detail. Yeah. He forced her to sing for hours, and which made her destroy her voice and hate singing for the rest of her life. And I... Yeah, I forgot about that Fucking grade A father right there. (laughs) Father of the fucking year. Yeah, but I... Even though he's a... uh, he gets about number one uh, prize for shitty dad awards. Um, <laughs> ironically enough, just like Darth Malgus and Mar, he of he doesn't care what race you are as long as you do your goddamn job. He values you that much. Cool. Yeah, which is why one of the reasons why he values the uh, the uh, Imperial agent so much, regardless if you're a human or an alien, if you go through his challenges and succeed, then he wants you to join his side. And I think you could either join, uh, convince him to step down, or just kill him. As is the way of playing Swator. As is the way of <laughs> you playing... You always get three or two choices on what to do. Darth Jadis is such a cool character, and I am so sad that, uh, that Bioware never expanded more on his story after uh, the uh, Imperial Agent campaign and everything. Yeah. He's... Even if you, I think even if you accept his alliance and everything, he just chills and you just continue on without, and he's never mentioned ever again. Fucking thank you, Bioware. God damn it. Bioware, it's always a constant thing. Cool characters. Oh, Darth Jadis, who's that? They get left left in the fucking dust. The cool characters get left in the dust and it's bullshit. Darth Lacris. Oh, she's cool. She's hot. Who's that? Kill her, kill her off. <laughs> kill her off. You don't even have the option to spare her. No. I, I wanted to have the option to spare her. But no, yeah. she just dies. It's like, God damn it. Yeah. My yeah. consular wouldn't have killed her. Oh, God damn Bioware. <laughs> you make good games, but some of the decisions you make, I question it every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Who's I, next? 
God damn it. Um, so Darth Jadis. Um, next is Darth Mortis, who is the counselor of a sphere of laws and justice. And I'll pull him up real quickly. He's, if you ever see him in the background, he's kind of at a, that bearded undead looking fucker. Mm-hmm. I, I'll send up the pictures anyway, but yeah, that's what he looks like. Oh yeah, he was. A, I think he was the one in the Sith Inquisitor story to mercy kill Thanaton. Yeah. He stole the fucking kill. <laughs> he snapped Thanaton's neck. Yeah, and despite him being very gruesome looking and very ruthless, and you know executing Darth Thanaton, he was absolutely committed to peace between the Republic and the Empire, and was strongly against tradition, unlike most Sith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though he was still a strong advocate for the Empire's anti-alien policy. Of course. He's not that much of an adherence to tradition, apparently. Racist! <laughs> also, this one isn't, uh, really relevant. I just picked him because of his funny name. Mm-hmm. Um, Darvengen. Darvengen. They, he, he's mentioned. Yeah, Darvengen. I think Barris mentions him a yeah. few times. He is a former counselor of a sphere of military... Uh, offense before being killed by the Emperor's Wrath. Yep. And I... He's not really noteworthy. I just thought he was funny because his name is literally a shortened version of Vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking funny. It I mean, made I, me laugh the first time I saw it. I like that in the... Uh, both of the Sith storylines, when you do fight one of the the Dark Council members, like in my fight with Darth Barriss... I remember running around the council chamber and I took a screenshot as I'm fighting Barris. <laughs> and in the background, there's Darth Thanaton in his chair. So it's like, he's still alive. He's still alive, that motherfucker. Yeah, I'm just saying over the picture of Darth Vengeon. Darth Vengeon was actually uh, Barris's master. Oh, I did not know that. I probably skimmed that over in my research. Yeah. But anyway, um, I just picked him because of his funny name. Yep, Darth um, Vengeon was Barris's master. Yeah. And then let's see, after that is Darth Arcos, who was the counselor of a sphere of military offense, but was ultimately a mole for the Order of Revan. Oh yes, Lana loved this man. Yeah, there we ba- go. She was, she was his, basically, apprentice without being an apprentice. Mm-hmm. He was her mentor. And then he betrayed the Empire to join uh, Revan and everything. Yep. He does look pretty cool, though. He is a cool pure blood. Yeah. Um, let me. Doesn't s- have the fleshy tendrils. Like no, Scourge he does, does not. Which is kind of interesting because he's part of the Order of Revan, which practices both the light and the dark side. So that's probably the reason why. Probably. Yeah. Um, and then I already mentioned Darth Barris. We've already talked about him at great length, so no need for mentioning him. But yes, he was. He's a fat fuck. <laughs> he's a fat fuck who could make a really good opera singer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cake is a lie. <laughs> oh, and, as everybody knows, Darth Barriss' Sith code is always unique. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to putting that uh, little clip of him yelling at the top of his lungs in this podcast episode. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> then after him is Darth Decimus, who is the, uh, the counselor of... The sphere of military strategy and was ultimately killed on Corellia. So let me put him up real quickly. Um, this is what the fucker looks like. Oh, I was wrong. Darth Decimus was, uh, 
or there are like three of these fuckers who all look the same on the yeah. council. Yeah. So it, it might have been Darth Desmus. It might have been another Darth who was Barriss's master. Yeah, most of these Dark Council members are just copy and paste models. But Darth Desmus is the one who runs the war on Corellia. Yeah. Okay. He gives Darth Knox the some kind of medal if you played the Corellia storyline. Okay. Um. I assume like a Medal of Honor or something like that. Yeah, if you win the war for the Empire on Corellia. Neat. Neat. Okay. And the Sith Consular kills him. Of course he does. <laughs> or not the Sith, the Jedi Consular. Yeah, yeah. Fucking words. <laughs> Fucking words. Um, then next, I do not have a picture for, don't worry. Um, Darth Rectus, who is the Counselor of the Sphere of Mysteries and is known as the oldest member of a Dark Council, being older than the 76-year-old Darth Vorian. And he is the creator of the Dread Executioners, who are a group of Sith Lords who are supposed to eliminate the infamous Dreadmasters. <laughs> that didn't work. No, it did not. Um, though it is, uniquely enough, it is assumed that Darth Rectus was killed or was MIA during the conquest of the galaxy by the Eternal Empire. As most of the Dark Counselors were. Yep. And I, I do have Darth Barriss' Sith Code pulled up. Of course. Uh, go for it. The cake is a lie. There is only pie. Through pie, I gain weight. Through weight, I gain width. Through width, my belts are broken. The force has nothing to do with it. <laughs> that is one version, but I've seen others. But it just... Okay, that's pretty makes, great. It makes fun of how fucking fat he is. <laughs> he is a fat... He's a chonky boy. <laughs> you fucking fat ass. He could probably compete with Ormfri Ta in a hot dog eating contest. Oh, yes, he could. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you for that. I love that. Okay, um, okay, you got me distracted. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I had okay. to. I had to say that. Yes, you do. Um, the next is Darvurian, who is very familiar to you, who is the second oldest member of the Dark Council, and he is the counselor of a sphere of production and logistics. Darvaron. Yeah, Darvaron. Oh, nice. So yeah, he's he's basically the guy who. Looks over um, military supply lines, that sort of thing. And he is, quote-unquote, the most cheerful Sith. Oh, yeah. He looks at everything with a very positive attitude. He's not, you know, all about blood, death, and killing. Yeah, um, I think it specifically says that he looks at all of his infighting that happens within the Dark Council, and he considers it his favorite sport. Yep. <laughs> just like Darth Hex did. Yeah. I, I love this dude. He just... Looks at everything with uh, the mentality of a, uh, I wouldn't say a five-year-old, but he he comes in very positively. I mean, people have, like, given him the headcan. Like, he is the, like, cheerful grandpa. If, especially if you play a Sith pureblood warrior. He's just, like, your cheerful, advice-giving grandpa. No, no, I'm just imagining he's the guy... Unlike those two occasions where you where the, the Sith warrior fights Barris, where the Inquisitor fights Phanaton, he's just filled with a popcorn. He's sitting there <laughs> with a glass of wine, just ooh. <laughs> he's eating a bunch of Sith popcorn. He's <laughs> like, this is my favorite channel. <laughs> I wanted to continue. Yeah, Valron is one of my favorite Sith. Yeah, he is pretty cool. He's and, just so cheerful. Yeah. Um, and he has a, he actually shows care towards his loyal bodyguards. That's cool. Yeah, he is the cheerful guy, and he is, quote-unquote, very charming to those that talk to him. Yep. When the, the Sith warrior is assigned to protect him, he's like, 
He calls it a game. Yeah. After, when Barris sends an assassin after him, he's like, oh, the game <laughs> He thinks it's a game, and he's so fucking cheerful, and it's like, what the fuck? You it's, just almost died! He's like watching the Super Bowl or something. But I, I like his optimism. Yeah, see, you gotta have that optimism in a galaxy that's constantly at war. Especially within the Sith, who are yep. always trying to kill you! Hey, hey, what would you prefer... Coming in with a depressed mood or being cheery and happy the entire way through. That's why I like Bauron as yeah. character. He's always so cheerful and happy. He is pretty cool. And then next is his counterpart, Darth Asina, who is, a, as I mentioned before, a counselor of a sphere of technology and who was noted for her technical skill, which was very rare among Sith Lords. Like, she's the current generation who are all about technology, and all the other Sith Lords are like, eh, technology, who cares about it? She's she's the Sith Gen Z. The Gen Z Sith. The other boomers on the council. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, that's a good way of saying it. I'm just thinking of that meme where uh, there's this teenager who's looking at his phone, and then his grandpa says, you and your young, you and this generation are so obsessed and Glued to technology. Why can't you just go outside for a change? And then he looks up to his grandfather who's hooked to a machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm just going to plaster Darfacina's face on that teenager. <laughs> I just think it's funny, but yeah. Um. So, though uh, despite her position, she seems to either detest cybernetic enhancements or she does simply doesn't get injured that often. Yeah, she is a very, uh, she's a very good combatant when you briefly have her as a companion on Drum and Cause. Yeah. So, she's a very good fighter and healer, and so she really doesn't need the augmentations. Mm -hmm. She's that good of a combatant. Yeah, she's pretty good. I do like how they, um, consistently aged her. Like, I think her first appearance, she says this youthful, young, dark council member, and then when she's the Empress, she looks really old. She's got a few wrinkles, and yeah. I believe uh, there is a point where you can encounter her when she is younger. Mm -hmm. I just haven't found it. Yeah. Uh, but she can comment on, like, the fact when you meet her for the first time, it's like, I thought we would have been, you know, colleagues instead <laughs> of on opposite sides. Yeah. Doesn't she use a purple lightsaber? Yes, she does okay, have, cool. have a purple lightsaber. Yeah, I keep on seeing pictures of her using a purple lightsaber, and I just wanted to make sure that was true in-game. Yep, she's got a purple lightsaber. Which is unique, because for people in the Star Wars fandom, usually purple lightsaber is reserved for lightsiders who use the dark side, like Mace Windu. Well, my character has a purple lightsaber, yeah. but that's only for aesthetic. Yeah, it's probably aesthetic in her case, but I think it's pretty interesting that she, she of all Sith, is using a purple lightsaber. I did see on one point, it may have been during the Iocath story, but when you have Sith intelligence uh, look into the routines and stuff of mm -hmm. notable characters, Asina is noted to not drink a lot, only drink uh, chlorinated water. She only Makes drinks sense. water. Makes sense. And her daily routine, they, like, cover her daily routine. It's, like, it's an exclusive, like, male thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I really like those kind of details, yeah. And they also cover uh, Lana and Theron. Very cool. Um, and then, you know, she becomes the Empress, and she could either um, 
stay empress after Iocaf or she dies and Valron takes her place and everything. Yep. And then let's see. And after her is one of her predecessors, uh, a woman by the name of Darth Machias. Let me um, put a picture in for her. Yeah, she's just a uh, cybernetic looking bitch. Oof. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, she went through a lot of cybernetic augmentations. Was she her master or... One of her predecessors during the uh, the, the Great Galactic War. This the... woman's eyebrows are cybernetic. <laughs> what the shit? <laughs> but yeah, um, so point is, Darth Machias is a brilliant scientist. Um... And she was the creator of multiple super weapons, namely the uh, Sun Razor, which is a space station that's specifically designed to produce other super weapons. I thought you were going to say the Sun Crusher for a second. <laughs> the fucking Sun Crusher. I was one letter off. Input the emoji here. Yeah. Um, oh, the, the Tom Cruise <laughs> meme. Anyway, um, not Tom Cruise, fucking... Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Thank you, thank you. I... Why am I bad with celebrities right now? Anyway, <laughs> so she is greatly warped by the dark side of the Force to the point that her being is seen as a sickness in the Force. Oof. Yeah, she is apparently very intoxicated when you're in her presence. Hmm. She, she doesn't sound like a good person to be around. No, she is not. Which is why... Like, the other Dark Council members, I would mainly want to have a drink if they had not poisoned it. Yep. Her? No. Yeah, it's probably safe <laughs> not to trust her at all. Um, which is very fortunate because she died aboard the Sunraiser when SIS agent Theron Sean left her to die when he paralyzed her. Good job, Theron. Good job, you magnificent bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and then next, uniquely enough... Darth Mar was briefly a counselor within the Dark Council. Yeah. Uh, why? Okay. Um, why did I say Darth Mar? I meant Darth Malgus. Darth oh. Malgus was briefly a member of the Dark Council. I always had a feeling he was, but I was wondering, like, he is so powerful. Why isn't he on the Dark Council? I've, so he was. He briefly was. Though I believe there was, like, some sort of political tension because, you know, Darth Malgus is always pro-war and, you know, very... The Empire's in the middle of peace, so he's all like, fuck you guys, I'm going to do my own thing and everything. <laughs> so, Darth Malgus is out of the way. Now we go into the Giga Chat himself, Darth Mar. Hell yes! And uh, <laughs> he is he is the counselor of the Sphere of Influence, of the Sphere of Influence, the Sphere of Defense of the Empire, Military Strategy, and military offense. So he ran three spheres at yeah, one time. And he had to put these on his shoulders after the uh, death of Darth Mortis and Darth Barris. Yep. Yeah. Um, and he, as we mentioned before multiple times, he was considered the de facto leader of the Empire after the quote-unquote death of the Emperor. Like I said, he is the Emperor in all but name. Yeah, he's pretty much like the dad who keeps all the other Dark Council members in line. He is fucking amazing. <laughs> he is I amazing. love him as a character. He is a Sith, but he has honor and he knows that he should fight for the people of the Empire. Which is, ironically, not qualities you would normally see in Sith. No, not at all. But that's what's so cool about him. Yeah. Um, and be uniquely enough, before his ascension to the Dark Council, he... Hit 
as with most characters are in Star Wars, his past is shrouded in mystery. And that's just because Bioware <laughs> didn't want to give him a backstory. <laughs> and anyone that knew of his past refused to indulge to anyone once they heard that Darth Maul rose to power and everything. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, um, you were the childhood friend of Darth Maul, right? Yeah. Want to tell us what he was like? No. No, no way. <laughs> I don't want to get decapitated. Um, and as we mentioned before, he was famous for never showing his true face. And it was even rumored that anyone who gazed upon his face would, you know, just die of inexplicable circumstances. Yep. The notable example, which you mentioned briefly before, um, was with an individual by the name of Moff Zarian. Oh, who, it was a Moff. Yeah, it was a Moff. I think he was in control of a, a important world that the Civ Empire captured, and then its civilian population rose and threw him off and everything. <laughs> and Darth Maul was all like, hey, come into my office so we could have a chit-chat. And then afterwards, <laughs> the mob just walked out of there, wrote his letter of resignation, and then he committed suicide. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so he was like, fuck this. I don't want to be in this military anymore. I don't want to be in this plane of existence anymore. Fuck off. <laughs> and that was basically the origin of a rumor that uh, Darth Mars' face was so hideous that anybody who gazed upon it would commit suicide. It's only a rumor. It is a rumor. Again, we don't get the opportunity to see his face even as a Force ghost. Fucking thanks, Bioware. <laughs> Ugh. Now you have two people to be mad at. George Lucas and Bioware. <laughs> I will admit, though, he kind of, he went down as a chad. He went down like a fucking badass. Yeah, he was like, fuck you, vitiate. I'm not going to bow down to you. I'd he, rather fight. Exactly. He said, I would rather die than bow to you again. Yeah. And then, of course, he's one of a few examples of a Sith Lord um, achieving uh, oneness with a Force and becoming a Force ghost. Yes. He... With- he works alongside Satil Shan in her exile yeah. on Odessen to yeah. kind of retrain the commander to fight Arkin better. Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting because a lot of dark side individuals normally don't get the chance to become a force ghost. Because I think you need to be true in your beliefs in the light side to become a force ghost. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I know Darth Vader was able to become a Force Ghost, but you you get what I mean. As far as I know, there are not a lot of set parameters on how to become a Force Ghost. That is fair. That is fair. But we'll eventually talk about Force Ghosts in their episode, though. Yes, they I deserve, just find it really they interesting. An episode. And then, of course, Darth Maul comes back um, in uh, Satyo Shan's mind when. Uh, Darth, in Echoes of Oblivion. Yeah, yeah. In Echoes of Oblivion, where uh, Darth Vitiate and his free forms try to take over Satil Shan, and all of the people from his past basically say, Be gone, Thought. I noticed with my Darth Knox, um, you do encounter him briefly, and he basically tells you, Avenge me. Yep. I did not want to die like this, and don't let him come back. Yeah. Um, and Darth, and- Darth Knox was the only Sith Lord. Who Darth Maul respected and trusted yep. fully. Yep. And Darth Maul, of course, is the master of my personal waifu, Lacris. Of course. <laughs> she had so much potential. Like, motherfucking, if you let her live, 
Maybe she could have been a, a member of the Dark Council and take over the mantle of her master and everything. That would have been fucking amazing. That would have been amazing. Like, she comes back in the uh, Eternal Empire storyline as the new leader of the Sith Empire. I mean, the Dar- Empress Asina is cool and all, but maybe she could have been, like, the Darth Malgus of her empire and everything. That could have been a possibility. But having Darth Lacris as Empress, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Step on me, Empress Lacris. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I gotta make that a Patreon uh, art piece. Um, Empress Lacris. Empress nice. Lacris. Oh, yes. Anyway, let's move on from me simping. Um, and final uh, noteworthy Dark Council member. I how Okay, you said you've completed a Jedi Knight storyline, correct? Yep. And let's see, Darvin. Jedi Knight. Uh, I'm not sh- I think he appears in Sith Warrior. Okay, I'll just go into it. So, his next Dark Council member is Darv Zajar. Hmm? Um, he... Just sending a you a picture right now. This dude does not look like a... Um... A Sith Counselor. Well, that... There's a reason for that. Let me get into it. Oh, um, right, right, right. I'm, <laughs> I'm remembering. Yep. So, Star Sajar, um, it's not particularly known what uh, in sphere of influence he was a part of, but he was a member of a Dark Council. That's the important part. Um, and he was notable, um, even by uh, his colleagues, as a slaughterer. Though one fateful day, he met up with Keldor Jedi Master Tobraga who wanted to begin peace talks. And obviously, Sajar accepted this since he saw an opportunity to uh, eliminate an important member of a Jedi High Council. Mm -hmm. And they met up, and instead of doing peace talks, they engaged in a duel for, this is not uh, hyperbole, for three days they dueled on the planet of Dantooine. And throughout those three days, both... Both Jedi Master and Sith Master engaged in a political politics and talking about their side of force and trying to convince the other to join their respective cause. And then after the three days passed, Darth Sajar um, came to the conclusion that the light side of the force was the right way. Hmm. And he willingly left his lineage as a Dark Lord of the Sith and joined the Jedi Order. There is one Dark Lord who I'd like to add, hmm? and that is Darth Melora. Darth Melora, okay. Darth. She was she was the apprentice of Lord Renning, who you encounter not too long after you start the story on Corban. You have to grab a Tukata brain for <laughs> Lord Renning when he's trying to experiment on it. She tells you to give the brain to her so she can sabotage it and... Uh, basically prove that the work that she's doing for her master is all bullshit. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's dependent on what you do. But later in the Osis expansion, or in Jedi Under Siege, mm-hmm. she comes back as a yeah. genetically modified human. Yeah, I'm just looking through her two different pictures, and I'm like, oh, she did not age well. <laughs> nope, she, she became a part of a Cena's council in the sphere of science. Yeah. But uh, when Malgus shows back up, he throws her off a uh, scaffolding. Please tell me he throws her like a Sidious did with Mace Windu. <laughs> Not like that. Ah, oh, damn it. She falls. Aww. But as far as I know, she survives. 
Cool. But in the part of the storyline that I played, she never showed back up. Mm. But I guess she does show back up later. Interesting. She kind of, Her model kind of reminds me of one of those uh, Aldran noble women that you could romance with as a, either a bounty hunter or a smuggler. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, she was a, a little cliff note I wanted to include. She's on a scene as Dark Council. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, obviously there are other members that I'm skimming over, but those are the ones that I found particularly interesting. Especially with uh, Darth Sajar, who is, like, the only Dark Council member to renounce the dark side and join the light. I will have to say, my, I want to say, top four. Alright. Mar. Uh-huh. Barris. Barris, yep. Or, no. Mar, Varon, Barris, Thanaton, Five, Asina. <laughs> you putting Asina as the five spot. That's fair. It's still a work in progress, but those are my five favorite Dark Counselors. Yeah. Yeah, Darth Mar, he just takes the number one spot regardless. Regardless. He's he, just, the man is a Chad. He is a Giga Chad. He is a motherfucking Giga Chad. The man is fucking amazing. <laughs> Okay, that's actually another idea. I, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Satil Shun, but mass stays on during sex. <laughs> <laughs> People shit them, and I don't know why. <laughs> I can see why. It's fun, but yeah, they're too committed to their respective sides to ever, you know, bang. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, how are you going to bang a first ghost? <laughs> yep. But yeah, um,. Do you have any other uh, closing statements or questions, Anna? Not that I have any. Okay. So that is our episode of Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi? Or in this case, how many times can we both simp on a Dark Council member? Hey, the Dark Council's cool. In my defense, I was more simping on uh, an apprentice of a Dark Council member than anything else. (laughs) I will happily simp for a majority of the Dark Council members. Of course you will. (laughs) Step on me, Empress Asina! <laughs> Step on me, Emperor of uh, the fucking, um, I keep on forgetting his name, uh, Vogna. Valron. Valron, goddammit! <laughs> <laughs> Sith names are complicated to remember, shut up! That's the entire gist of this episode, Sith names are hard. <laughs> oh, goddammit, and a lot of Star Wars names are hard in general. But anyway, before I go off track again... Um, do you want to know what our next episode is going to be, Hannah? Yes. So, uh, it's kind of a subject I'm debating. We, for this episode and the, the Voss episode were your side, now it is my turn. Kind of debating on uh, doing another race, another world, or something else new entirely. And I decided, you know what? I've put this off long enough. I'm going to do a uh, Patreon request. Oh, and for our next episode, we will be talking about the Peas Diaz Crusade. Ah, you told me about this one. Yeah, okay. it was really popular in the suggestion box and everything. All right. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to uh, get into it. And I actually request, I actually reached out to another artist for this thumbnail design. So it's going to be really interesting. Nice. I'm excited to see what comes of it. Yeah, so... um. That, once again, if you guys love the podcast, we appreciate the support. Whether you like the video, subscribe, or donate to the Patreon. I hope you enjoy our um, podcast episodes and D&D recordings regardless. And 
We'll see you in the next episode, and you have a wonderful rest of your day. May the force be with you. May the force be with you, and this is the way. This is the way. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.